week's episode of the Dick and Ham Show is brought to you by Snake Gun for Android, the old McCallum Scotch whiskey that's with good taste and that bad behavior. Farmers Union Ice Coffee. It's Ice Coffee, but South Australia. Welcome back, everyone. It's uh, it's Hugh and Boots and David this week uh, steering the ship of uh, Dick and Ham. Uh, Sam is out shopping, uh, so he's a last minute withdrawal. Uh, busy out at Doncaster, didn't manage to get out of there in time, and uh, I believe uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, has had some car problems, so Andrew's not joining us due to those car problems. Hope he fixes that up soon. So welcome back, gents. It's been uh, a few short weeks, but so so much has happened in such a short time. Uh, where on earth? Where on earth to begin? Perhaps one of our our pet topics: the uh, the US US of A. Last time we spoke, it was a different place, and a lot's happened since then. Any uh, where, where to begin on that, Boots? All seems to be going pretty well, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, nothing occurs to me, Dave. Is it's, there something? That... It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, look. In all seriousness, this this what what actually happened probably isn't exactly what people predicted, but it's certainly along the lines of what uh, we thought could happen in the in the worst case scenario of Trump throwing a, throwing a tantrum. But I, I think probably what I thought it might be would be that Trump refusing to leave the white house and all of these lunatics actually sort of camping out the front to stop people from evicting him from the white house. But as yeah. it turns out, it, it took a slightly, slightly different uh, and malevolent form. Um, you know, and, the, and there's been the particularly scary stories coming out of there around, people being taken for tours, doing reconnaissance by certain Republican members of Congress of the congressional grounds prior to the assault and, you know, the number of ex-military and paramilitary people in that, in that mob, you know, carrying things like hand ties and, and other things as well as assault weapons. Um, it's pretty, uh, pretty incredible. I mean, the, the fallout such as it is seems to have been that finally um, some of these, uh, some of these uh, Republicans are actually, uh, uh, for the first time, considering deserting Trump. Which you would think that you know an assault on the Capitol by Americans uh, probably should have happened before before that. But here we are. And if, they, if, if that's not enough to get you to, to turn on a guy, you have to wonder <laughs> what would be. Well, and I think the point is. For, for a, a floor of about thirty-three percent of the population, nothing. Um, yeah, the, the 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 statement he made in the pre the election in twenty sixteen, and that he could shoot someone in the street of New York City, and people would still vote for him. I, unfortunately, uh, seems to be the case. Well, he he is a man. That's a great ringtone. <laughs> is that a ringtone? What what what, what is going on here? It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> Get what out, boots. Something's happening. What was that? I, I, I really don't know what's going on here. <laughs> There's some sort of tech ghost inside of Boots's machine. Yeah. It sounds like it's coming from your place, Boots. Wow. Okay. Like we're used to strange sound effects coming from coming from your place, but it's usually you opening a drawer like that, <laughs> or like opening a packet of chips. Which is yeah, rustling not, something at the at the sound of uh, yeah the, the sound of yeah. thunder. Not not just some funky ass beat. <laughs> that was very peppy, very peppy riff. That was it. Really got got me going. 
But on the on the American thing, right? The the <laughs> assumption that we're working on here, Bruce, is that that was the only time something's going to happen. Like you're saying that you you were sort of perhaps expecting more to happen on the day of transition. Well, I think there's a whole lot of terrible things that are still in play. Like to to say, well, that was a really disgraceful, uh, you know, unprecedentedly terrible thing that happened, uh, but that was it, um, is probably giving too much credit to some of these people who there really is no, there is no bottom. Um, and they probably feel like they're, they're in a corner and this is, you know, that, yeah, I mean, the, the, the insurrection itself was obviously followed by a, a woefully inadequate speech. It was followed by silence. It was then followed by a deplatforming of the social platforms, which obviously is to be applauded. You could possibly ask the question, um, you know, why, why now, why not several years ago when you have terms of service that were repeatedly breached and you just look the other way for years and years and years because it was helpful to the platform. But I mean, what do we think the chances are as awful as it is to discuss it, that there's more, more to come? I'd say extremely high. Like I'm just, um, I, I, I think the inauguration day will be, um, you know, another, another, another big moment. Now it may just be that, you know, everyone's far more prepared, I, I suppose. Um, you know, I know that there's been, you know, like wide ranging kind of bans on carrying weapons and stuff in, I think all, all 50 state capitals, um, on, like for, for periods of time. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just presuming that, the, that this sort of stuff is going to continue to some degree, um, which is why it's so important that there are consequences for, you know, people like Trump and his enablers. It's funny how quickly people humanize bad stuff though, isn't it? Like so many terrible things happen and yes, they were highlighted and lifted up to the surface, but it's sort of a bit troubling that so many people are, are willing to be, Hey, look at the guy with the funny hat. Oh, look at that guy who's carrying yeah, a lectern. Know. You know, he, he yeah. and I, I think in some ways, like when you memeify these people and turn them into, into kind of internet jokes, I don't know if that's helping. Like it's, it's sort of, no, it's not, it sort of legitimizes it by, by, by making it seem harmless. And I, I don't think that's a thing that we should be doing. And yes, that guy's outfit was spectacular, but you know, he was in the middle of something that was a high crime and should not be celebrated or, or respected in any way, shape or form. But people are like, wow, he had horns and a painted face. What a, what a dude. It just feels, yeah, feels no. a little uh, wrong to be looking at that way. No, there's 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 so much wrong from from top to bottom. Like not not least of all the the response from the police on the day certainly seemed to be far more um, conciliatory than some of the more peaceful protests during the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that. So like there, there's a lot of stuff that's just top to bottom just incredibly wrong about everything that's happened, but also the response uh, in the moment um, immediately after um and kind of since so just just on the on the police i think they were horrendously under resourced they, oh, absolutely they'd absolutely been, that they'd been asked to um uh, to be reinforced and but were that was not uh that that was not answered um including a suggestion from the fbi that the national guard be organized um and deployed and which was not taken up which is the reason that the homeland security guy had to resign uh the, the the acting chief of homeland security who was a trump appointee who hadn't been confirmed yet because he was horrendously underqualified to be 
uh, the uh, uh, director of Homeland Security. Yeah. Um, so, so, so certainly, I mean, like for certainly many of the police officers, you know, on duty, like I, I think many of them were perhaps just doing the best they could. I don't think that's the case for all of them. Um, but knowing that all of this had been discussed in certain online forums for days in the lead up and the mob was there for some time before they actually breached how reinforcements weren't necessarily deployed is still kind of beyond me. And, and it's incredibly easy to be swayed by the sort of coverage of this that exists inside, you know, my own bubble and your own bubble and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm certainly conscious of that and I'm a little, I'm trying to be a little bit kind of cynical about the sort of stuff that does reach my eyes, but it's pretty hard to kind of ignore too when you see side-by-side pictures of cops in riot gear with, you know, tear gas being aimed at young children in the Black Lives Matter movement. And then what, what happened the other day, it's, it, it certainly, it seems to tell two different stories. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of that was down to like literally the preparedness. And I think the preparedness was, they were deliberately underprepared. because the there, was a, there was a choice made, made the, Yeah. The, it was a decision made. And uh, I think you can, you can directly or indirectly implicate the White House in, in that decision. That's, I, don't, I don't blame the Capitol Police in the, in the way I do the people who made the resourcing decisions. Decisions yeah. that uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same. But you, I mean, you've, you've got so much happening since then as well. You've obviously got the uh, in, impeachment in the House again, second time, as you pointed out. Boots is the first person from Home Alone two to be impeached twice. <laughs> yeah, first first actor to be impeached twice. Yeah, and you know, there's a petition to uh, digitally remove him from Home Alone Two and put current day Macaulay Culkin in into that scene, <laughs> give, giving his younger self direction through the hotel. And Macaulay Culkin is on board with the idea. He's he's very willing to do it. Is, is, there, is there a Kickstarter or a Patreon to? to, to uh, it's I, I would gladly I would gladly donate like that. That's just it's just fucking fabulous. That's such a funny idea. I think it's uh, it's just maybe even it's his own idea that he just gave to someone else. Sorry, he started up through his his burner account on Twitter, and now it suddenly took off. But uh, I think we could we could all get on board with that. That would be very funny. Yes. It, Trump owned that hotel at the time and uh, demanded that he was given that cameo. Uh, that was not originally in it. Um, and they, they were going to actually, the, the, the sad part about the story or the irritating part is that they were going to just placate him, give him the part and then cut it. But people laughed and liked it during the test screenings, which is why it stayed in the final cut, which is annoying. Yeah. It's disappointing. Um, yeah, great film. Vastly superior to Home Alone One. No, people don't say it out loud, what? but it's true. Home Alone what? One. Is, Home Alone One is too slow. Ranch. There's so much build up. Home Alone Two is just 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 child violence the whole time. I think I think I remember you saying you watched it like somewhat recently, right? Like, yeah. Are you a three year old, Dave? Jesus, <laughs> delayed gratification. Let's it's, just. It's, <laughs> I just I would encourage you both to watch them both again objectively and and you know sometimes the sequel sequel can be better I, I think it's a it's a better film because we discovered the secret source was you know haunted house violence against Joe Pesci and that other guy and there's so much more of it and both of those films have a lot of of kind of crappy sentimental B story in them with the with the woman and with the pigeons in the second one and the guy with the shovel 
in the first one. And Describing it as if anyone on this podcast or listening to this podcast has watched Home Alone 2 at some point in the okay. last 20 years. Okay, so here's a cultural difference no, opening no. up. <laughs> okay, so we open. It's New York City. It's winter. It's Christmas time. Macaulay Culkin's looking as cute as a buff. Camera pans to a two-shot of Macaulay Culkin in a park eating a hot dog. Next to a lady with pigeons. No, people here watch it for Christmas. It's, there's, a, there's a defined set of Christmas films and, and the Home Alone films, are, they're canon. They're part of it. You have to watch it. So, and I, I choose the second because it's, it's, it's better than the first. Not sure how we got onto Home Alone. We could maybe, if anyone has strong views on that, maybe mailbag it on, uh, mm. on uh, Dick and Ham show at gmail.com. One, one final question on, on this chaos that's been unfolding and, and sort of uh, simmering down and then flaring back up in the States. If the two of you were Joe Biden's head of security and or the person arranging the inauguration, would you look at the current situation and say, it sends a terrible signal, but I still think we might just not do this in public. I think we might just do this in a secure location. Or would you say we have to do this in public and do whatever it takes to make it safe, even though there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of things that are not clearly not under control right now. How would the two of you grapple with that, that dilemma? The, the only thing that would actually make me not do it in public would be uh, COVID risk, because I think that's the right message to send. If, if, if there's some, if, if there's some analysis that COVID's just so far out of control that to have a gathering of people of that nature is at risk of further spreading disease. That that's actually the circumstance in which I would do it in a different setting. Um, but if it's if it's simply to because of, you think that there's a, a risk of uh, effectively a, a, another insurrection incident, um, no, I would just you just have the security beefed up to a level that just would make that impossible from the. Yeah. Um, uh, from the people because you, you just you can't show that these people are affecting the way that uh, the democratic institutions are working. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah, and there's clearly threats being made, and and there would always be threats being made, and it's such a difficult job because your job is to know that sometimes those threats are not credible, and you must ignore them, even though it, it's written there that, that, that someone's going to try to kill a person, but you must ignore it because you've deemed it to not be credible. That would still be pretty hard to do if it was there, uh, there in front of you. Well, you'd like, you'd like to think that literally, I mean, the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and pretty much their entire uh, resources at the moment would be dedicated to this because they just can't afford um, for something to go wrong here. Yeah, I agree. But it, it's, it's hard not to have that question when you're us and you're lay oh, people and, and not like a ninja level, uh, you know, black operations insurrectionist expert who's advising the president. It's hard not to have that thought in your mind um, mm-hmm. because until recently, I think it would have been easier for lay people to say, no, nah, no, nah, you've got to do it, even though there's risk. But I think you could describe the risk level as being a little different or the uh, yeah, conflict level as being a little different to what you would usually expect in this, in this situation. It's just this, yeah, so five five days left of uh, this one term, uh, this infamous one term presidency. I'm sure there's still one or two twists left in uh, the tale of the of the occupant of the White House himself and what he'll choose to do in the next five days. Obviously, um, Boots, you described the insurrection as the worst case scenario. I think it's the second worst case scenario. I, I was reading the, uh, I was listening to uh, the news this morning, and there was 
it was like such a 2020 story because it was just something bad piled on something else bad. And it was uh, Kim, our friend Kim Jong-un in, in North Korea has got some new weapons and he wanted to parade them around. He's got a new submarine launched nuclear warhead. And he was, he was, you know, he's rattling his saber about his nuclear capabilities. And I just thought to myself, like, not now, like not now. Just could you just not do that right now? We've had enough Kim. Yeah. Well, interestingly on, on that point, the, the, um, a number of journalists have asked the the head of the uh, Pentagon to just just making sure, given how sad Donald Trump is at the moment, that there's enough legal and other mechanisms in place that if he just said to launch a nuclear weapon, we wouldn't actually do that. The head of the Pentagon confirmed that at the moment there uh, that the president himself deciding to do it would not be enough for them to launch a nuclear. Was the head of the Pentagon sweating and kind of like you know pulling at his shirt collar <laughs> and kind of looking side to side as he said that? Oh. No, he looked uh, he looked pretty on top of things, which I think was was necessary to calm everyone down at that point. Well, that's good. I hadn't Mac- heard that, so that's that's excellent news because you know who yeah. the fuck knows. Um, th- uh, there's th- the things this guy, given how delusional he is and how um, you know narcissistic he is, and how much he can't stand the idea of being a loser, but he's being shown repeatedly every minute of every day how much he has <laughs> lost. You just don't you don't know where the bottom is, and I think he's shown that there is no bottom. Um, so that's that's very welcoming news. I actually didn't didn't know that until you just told me. So let's let's see what the next five days bring, and all the best to the incoming administration for the sake of their country and also their allies and the rest of the world who uh, who are connected to them, which is basically everyone. Let's be honest. Uh, and, and, yeah, and, and look, Dave. You know, I, I got to say, this last kind of twenty minutes or so since we've been talking about this, I, I think our um our our our, our Midwest. Uh, listeners in in Michigan and those those couple of people who downloaded the episodes once or twice I feel like we might have lost them. Well, like Michigan, mate, Michigan, maybe it's all right. Uh, Michigan, all uh, right. I mean, anything south of the Mason Dixie is, is going to be problematic for us. But uh, mm-hmm. but Midwest, we're probably we're I think we'd be okay. more on the right yeah. side of history. My theory Thank is goodness. those people were were Dick Hame fans who were just confused <laughs> that that guy that Google used to mistake us for the old crooner from the fifties. I think they were coming here looking for their uh, their Dick Hame ballads and standards, and they left pretty quickly when they heard us. Um, that's what's theory on that. funky ringtones. <laughs> Don't they just? It's, it's so peppy. You, 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 that was, uh, you know what that actually was? <laughs> Is that I have the, um, uh, on my computer set up here, just a summary of the James Harden trade that we want to talk about later. And it just had a video that decided to play with sound on it uh, during that uh so that's your soundtrack yeah, to reading James Harden. Harden. Your soundtrack to reading James Harden news is is a peppy bassline and a bit of <laughs> a bit of disco jazz guitar on top. Turns out that's the background music to some basketball highlights that, for reasons I can't explain. Where <laughs> uh, just decided to run at that point in time. Nothing worse than a good bit of footage ruined by a bad bit of music. Uh, you know, I was going to bring this up on a previous podcast. Uh, a, a friend of mine here in Norway is the country's foremost James Bond expert, and he also. Um, he, he sort of his job is to is to interview Hollywood talent and, and a career highlight was when I I forced him to ask Ron Howard about the Simpsons episode cameo where he made a movie about a talking pie. Anyway, there's a scene in one of the Roger Moore James Bond films that he called the best stunt ruined by the worst bit of <laughs> editing. And so I went and looked it up and we sh- we we'll put this on on our website or on our Facebook page. In one of the films. James Bond does a stunt where he's driving a car, just a standard old James Bond car, but it's the seventies. So it's a heavy, 
you know, sort of basically shitbox by modern standards, but looks cool, kind of a car. It wasn't one of the Aston Martins or anything. And he jumps it over a river, not that big a deal, but the ramp is completely twisted on a 45-degree angle. So he jumps over a river and the car does a perfect sort of torpedo barrel-style twist and lands perfectly on the other side. It's, it's regarded as one of the most dangerous car stunts ever attempted because cars are not supposed yep. to do that. And the director has decided the most appropriate way to, to really make that moment hit was to put the sound effect of a slide whistle, sideshow Mel style. Is that right? Yeah. So as this incredible stunt happens, there is the full sound of a slide whistle and it just kind of ruins Goodness it. me. Like, I know that stunt you're talking about and I cannot for the life of me remember um, the movie. It's the one where they're in like the Congo or something, yes. right? Like, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I remember it specifically, but I, I, I can't remember the name of it, but I can't remember the slide whistle sound effect. I'm going to look that up. It, well, they should do the Trump Macaulay Culkin style revisionist history, just get rid of it because it, it's such an awesome stunt and it just it's such a joke because of that one decision that one person made. But uh, we'll, we'll move on while we uh, while we're on the on the, uh, the the news front. I had one quick news item I want to touch on because it's something that we could relate to. Did you read? Uh, I know everyone on this show. Shame Andrew's not here actually. Uh, massively into Bitcoin. Everyone's big big on Bitcoin and always has been. I'm not big on Bitcoin. I don't understand it. I don't want to get involved with it, even if it does have the potential that some people say it does. But I'm sort of intrigued by the technical aspect of it in that it's it's a technology that has multiple layers of security. There is a finite number of these uh, Bitcoins and there will never be more made. And the transfer of them is very labor intensive um, from a computing point of view. One of the issues with the uptake of Bitcoin is the computing power required to sell a Bitcoin is so vast that it takes a supercomputer, you know, multiple days just to process the encryption required to transfer one of them. So it's not a currency that could be transferred rapidly or in large quantities because it, there is literally not enough electricity to power the computing power that's needed to do it. Anyway, and I find that stuff interesting. But there is a man in San Francisco who uh, was one of those people who, Ranch, this could have been you and me. He made a video like 10 years ago saying, this is what Bitcoin is. This is how to buy it. And he got paid, I don't know, 300 or 1200 Bitcoin, you know, some random number back when they were worth a dollar. So that, that Bitcoin that he owns is now worth $300 million. I know where this is going. But the, so $300 million worth of Bitcoin. But you need to be able to get through your own levels of security that you have set up. And he cannot remember his password. Oh. And so there's basically like a secure area, which has all of your keys. And there's a password that you need to get into that secure area. And the password for that, you only get 10 tries or you're locked out forever and he's tried eight times and gotten it wrong eight times. Oh, damn. Oh, so, no. So this man has the possibility, if he can remember his goddamn password, of unlocking this thing that's worth $300 million. But if he doesn't get it right, it, it's gone forever. Sounds like a super nerdy version of those Saw movies where some some psychopathic kind of fuckhead has created an environment that just to, just to torture another person. It's like, no, you only get 10 tries and you haven't written down this password anywhere. You must try them. And if you get it, $375 million. <laughs> That's brutal. He wrote it on a piece of paper, but doesn't know where the piece of paper is. Oh. Oh man, like I, I, I feel like I've heard so many of these sorts of stories as well. Like uh, I remember Reply All, which is just an incredible podcast that I think 
I think you've listened to it, Dave, maybe you, but it's good. Yeah, I have a little um, bit. That, yeah, that, that, they did an episode a number of years ago when when Bitcoin kind of peaked. Yeah, like another, a similar sort of story. Like so many people have Bitcoin data or whatever saved on like an old hard drive that they haven't used in years that's in their garage or something and or is saved on the hard drive of a computer that's now just like old and shit and they just can't get into it. Like so many awful stories where people who have just got thousands of dollars sitting you know, on an encrypted drive somewhere. That That's awful. That's awful. Uh, well, the man's name is uh, Stefan Thomas. And uh, predictably, there's people telling him that they will help him for a cut of the money. So now, now he's stuck in this situation of should he trust someone else to try and fix it? Um, and, and even these people claim it's going to take six months to, to try to find a way. But even then, oh, I, don't, I don't know if it's possible. So good luck to him. I mean, uh, it makes me feel better about forgetting my, my password to my hotmail address because the stakes, you know, not so high, but, um, yep. If you can remember it, then, uh, there's the, there's the payoff for it. Oh man. So speaking of peppy, peppy music as we were a minute ago, uh, Oh, first we've got some mail back. Should we do that first? Yeah, yeah definitely. Our, uh, our guy, uh, Steve Derry, big Desmond, I believe he used to refer to himself as don't know why. Uh, he's written to us several times. I think he's probably our most prolific mailbag uh, correspondent. So I think we should send him a prize pack. Uh, Boots, what's in the prize pack these days? The, the Dick and Ham prize pack? Uh, he probably should have alerted me to that question before you posed it, Dave. Uh, but improv is your specialty. It, sure it is. But at the moment, I'm currently taking the uh, reading for my dog's diabetes while you were going through this, <laughs> this bit. I really what, was prepared for that. We need to have a regular segment on the dog's diabetes. I, I have concerns about <laughs> uh, about his health. The second time that we've uh, we've we've dealt with it. Is he okay? Well, he's he's now got an actual. He's got a chip attached to his back um, that I am taking readings on the on the phone every three hours to get a uh, a glucose curve. Jesus. And I was just taking that reading then because I thought I, I, I didn't, I must confess that this is you know, behind the curtain for the, uh, for the listeners. I didn't think you were going to come to me with uh, yeah, well, <laughs> what the price pack was. This is, this is live television. You know, this is how it is, but I know Stephen Derry <laughs> has written to us multiple times. So the price pack, uh, it used to be a, a, a Dick and Ham mouse pad and the Dick and Ham leather gloves. Uh, I thought it was the, the Dickenham boner. The Dickenham boning um, knife. It was that too. So the triple triple pack, the three pack. So we'll, we'll organize uh, our people to send you something, Steve. And so here's what he wrote to us uh, seven days ago, to be precise. Happy New Year to the Dickenham team. Hope this will be a prosperous and plague-free year for you all. Thank you. I had a query. Uh-oh. I don't know if I like where this is going. I had a query around the size of your listener base. Look, that's... That's proprietary information. Proprietary Steve. information. <laughs> can't, can't go telling our competitors what sort of, what sort of numbers we're doing. Uh, so anyway, he says, what sort of numbers are we talking? Given the quality of the show, I'm thinking it's well into the hundreds, if not thousands. Well, you'd be right. I mean, there, there, are, there are thousands. I could, I could say that much. Tens of thousands plus is, is where we like to be. So we're not always there, but, but that's where we, we like to be. Uh, not quite keeping Joe Rogan up at night, but still impressive. Well, yes, thank you, Steve. Given the success of the show... What is the rev split between the members of the group? Oh, hang on a minute. It's fair to say that Sam and Steve-O do the heavy lifting with regards to the comedy. Jeez, hang on a minute. Do the comedy duo of Sam and Steve-O get more commission? Regards, Steve. Well, I think, just let me chime in there. I think for intellectual heft, um, 
you know, those two don't really bring that to the table and therefore you've got to factor that into their REM cards. I mean, sure, <laughs> their, uh, their childish antics do appeal to certain parts of our listener base. I mean, clearly Steve falls within that, uh, that very small part of our, um, our demographic. So but I mean, if you, <laughs> sure. Um, but you know, I think if you, if you have a look at the, the, the way that Reb split is, I mean, clearly the, uh, yourself and ranch actually with the, with the technical expertise to get this done at, at, at the top. Uh, and then, um, the comedy monkeys at the bottom and everyone else fits in between that. Yeah, and I think the, the technical term in Hollywood is called working for scale, which is the minimum wage. Mm. And those mm. guys, uh, if you were like Gene Hackman, for example, being invited to do a cameo at the end of your career um, and money means nothing, then you might work for scale as a favor to your director friend. Sam and Steve-O both work for scale, um, not by choice, just because that's mm. what we think they're worth. We, we, we don't see mm. anything better than minimum wage in, in their future. Um, and the fact that the fact that Steve-O fixes his car instead of being on the show and Sam gets stuck out in Doncaster buying jeans, you know, that tells you a bit about their, their commitment, but also their importance to the show. Mm. I think you said that Steve's emailed us twice. Can you just check that that's actually from the same Steve Derry email? This one isn't from Steve <laughs> Derry oh. at gmail.com and it's just Sam trying to bump up his rev points. <laughs> I wonder. That's a really great question. Let me see. Steve Derry at gmail.com. No, it's the same. It's the same. So, but look, it? we do know that Andrew has some has some technical chops and could easily uh, spoof hmm. someone else's email address. So we, we <laughs> he, might do a bit of digging and just double check. And it would be he it would certainly be... can do that. He can. <laughs> it's, look, it's the same. It's the same address. But I, there could be some sort of emulation situation going on where Andrew has has done something nefarious. Just on that point, we need to have a future segment about best pranks that have been designed but never implemented because that was one and then and then another one best pranks that are currently in play that the person has no idea that they're even being pranked me i'm no i'm locked in one of those right now you're you're locked in a prank that you don't know is going on no no, i'm pranking someone and they have no idea that they're getting pranked i've got no end game on this okay so you are are you saying that you are pranking me right now no 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 no, no, no. no, no. I, I am not Steve Derry. Like, Steve Dezeri. Yeah, it's not a type of. So, can you tell us about this prank? Okay, so it's not me. Fine, no, good. No, no, it's got to be a future segment. Like, we, we need to we need to plan that out because like there'd, there'd be plenty of other like you know best pranks that have ever been pulled. Matter of fact, if um if, if anyone has any great pranks that they want to tell us about, Dickenhamshow at gmail Um, but yeah, but like I, I remember Steve O designed a, a brilliant prank once that he was never able to actually implement because of a, a range of reasons and yeah, there's plenty of good pranks that have been designed and couldn't get pulled off and then there's some that have been pulled off that just didn't work uh well and you're in the middle of, of some sort of prank which is the worst kind of prank where they don't even get that they're being pranked so they just obliviously walk along through life thinking that this is normal is that can you give us a taste you've really teased us with this can you tell no, us something about it i can't i can't the the, the person the person might be listening to this podcast. Boy, boy. I mean, pranking, pranking is off brand for you, Ranch. Can I say that? I'm, I'm surprised to hear this, this turn of, no, turn no, of events. But, but it's all, it's all horses for courses. You know, like, like it's a subtle prank, perhaps too subtle. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated by what's going on. Yeah. I'm thinking about every communication I've had with the ranch the last two years. To keep it to- <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore. I feel like I'm being inceptioned. 
I'll probably cut this out of the edit and I'll tell you about the prank afterwards. <laughs> well, no, you have to keep some of that in because it was a fascinating spiral of confusion that, that went on there. But anyway, please, when yeah. you can tell us about the prank, do so. Yeah. So I wanted to, to bring up another topic. I don't know if you researched the, uh, the agenda that I sent out, but I wanted to uh, give something which I like to refer to as the Abraham Simpson uh, kids are into weird things these days uh, segment, which comes from the memorable quote: "The I used to be with it, then they changed what it was. Now what? Why? Now what I'm with isn't it, and what it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. So kids these days, right? We are so far from being kids now that they are into things that make no sense whatsoever. Ten years ago, I could sort of understand it. You know, twelve years ago, I feel like I was sort of." Ill on the tail end of being in a generation where I was part of that. Now, thanks to TikTok, I'm willing to say, because TikTok is the, is the strangest place of all for you to congregate. The thing that has taken off on TikTok amongst the youth of the world this year, I would give you all of that man's $300 million in Bitcoin if you could guess what it is, because I've never been as shocked that the cool, fashionable youth of today are into something. Do you want to know what it is? Sea shanties, To the point where they're writing their own sea shanties. They are performing them together collaboratively. They are looking for people to sing sea shanties with. They are turning into some weird sexualized thing. Like that, that song came from a playlist that this woman made called Sea Shanties That Drop My Panties. <laughs> First of all, how did you find that playlist, Dave? Like, what are you searching for? <laughs> That's a great question. That is, a, that is an excellent question. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I honestly think I found it when I was, I was so surprised. I, I found it out about the craze through our guy, Elon Musk, who tweeted that he was, being distracted from the important business of making electrical cars and sending human beings to Mars by sea shanties. And I just thought, I don't understand what this is. So I started doing research and that's how I found out about the playlist, but it's, it's a thing. People are singing sea songs. Can I point you to your problem? Don't (laughs) do what Elon Musk says. That's (laughs) there's your first problem because it might be the richest bloke in the world. uh, Effing lunatic. Isn't he just, he is. He's yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's 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 my effing lunatic. But uh, I, I'll take your advice, and I won't I won't listen to everything he says. But he's into sea shanties, which made me think about it. And I, it turns out it's it's a massive thing. So my question is, if sea shanties and singing sailor songs, yo ho ho, and a bottle of milk or whatever they sing, I don't think it's milk. I believe it's rum. It may be rum. It may be let's rum. Let's move on. <laughs> Did you actually think it was a bottle of milk? I've got, look, come on, man. We've all got young children. You're the that... weakest fucking pirate I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of sensible vitamin C formula, please. Yeah, it, no. it, it, this is the, the Norwegian Vikings versus the Swedish Vikings coming out right now. <laughs> and it's, it's a pretty embarrassing uh, comparison. <laughs> it's a bottle of rum. Okay, so kids are singing sea shanties a lot. And what on earth could they get into next? If this is what is now considered cool, what next? It, would it, could it be knitting? I mean, knitting was kind of cool amongst hipsters. Knitting's too straightforward. Like the, since the last time I thought about singing a sea shanty, I would have thought about knitting 
one million times. So like sea shanties are, are pretty unique and pretty out there. Like like knitting's pretty commonplace when, when compared to fucking sea shanties. Maybe chess. Have you guys watched uh, Boots? I think you actually gave us. Oh no, Ranch, you gave us a recommendation on the Queen's Gambit. Do we expect mm-hmm. a a follow a, a chess surge in popularity? Maybe. Uh, no, I mean that that that's a that's a more of a hipster thing in the same vein that Ranch mentioned before. Like that that's kind of got a. a a level of notoriety and popularity that's that's outside of tweens and Dave, but the I, I think the I mean and, and it's not a great question for me because I by the time I was sixteen I was so far from being cool that it was um, uh, and out, outside of oh, what the, well outside of what the hip trends were no, no I, I mean I clearly I I didn't give a shit but the, um, using terms like the hip trends well yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you might be right exactly I, I don't think it's possible for us with with our our current life experiences and outlook to 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 predict what what is the the next thing that kids are going to look at that some um, uh, YouTube influencer is going to decide is the next cool thing and I've got one. Look, and sea shanties are harmless. Let that. Let's say that off the bat. Worst things that could be a trend, right? Yes, Ranch. Barbershop quartet. Ah, yeah, yeah. The B sharps, baby on board. Yep, could mm-hmm, be. Mm-hmm. Those hats. Yeah. Those stripy pants. Hey, Ranch, you'll remember mm-hmm. this. That it could be a classic case of a trend that was wildly embraced, but then everybody just simultaneously backed away from it and pretended it never happened. Do you remember in the mid two thousands that happened? with sort of big band swing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I do. For um, a very brief period, everyone's like, oh, it's so awesome. The Cherry Pop and Daddies. They, yeah. they, they had a CD, which I which I own. Zoot Suit Riot. Zoot Suit yes. Riot. I own it as it well. It was great. The whole album was, was was really good. And then I backed away from it and forgot that it ever happened. But That and its punk cousin, Scar Music, briefly became oh, yeah, like that. a thing. And then it went away so quickly. And everybody as a culture has just like pretended that it never happened. And th- yeah, th- I guess yeah. that's what's going to happen with this, with uh, with, yeah. with yeah. sea shanties. And there's just dudes left shit. who are like sea shanty hardcore lifers. Given that TikTok seems to be a place where, where you know, like super artistic, like, you know, it's really big with artistic expression, let's, let's put it that way, like swing dancing. You can totally see people like recording their mm. own kind of swing dancing routines and stuff. And that's so fucking old school and weird. Like maybe it's that. Maybe Could that's be. what we're next for the kids. Maybe, maybe diners. If, if, you know, when people are eating at restaurants and maybe just going out for a milkshake, everyone's just going to turn into a weird version of Elvis. So what I'd love to come back, those restaurants where you park the car and people come out on roller skates and give you burgers and fries. That would be right. That would I feel be like I'd love that. Has that ever been a thing in our lifetimes in Australia? I don't feel like I've ever had the option of even going to one of those places. No, I don't yeah, think so. The, you know where they actually did, they used to have 60s nights and do that. Uh, was at the Dramana Drive-In. So they would have people coming after you in roller skates and delivering the Actually food to on the car. roller skates? On the roller skates, yeah. Wow. True story. Actually, just good service. I feel like there'd be a lot of Sorry. OH&S considerations with, with that. Oh, now. Sure. Yeah, no, you, you definitely wouldn't have any. You just <laughs> was Kepler Bradley one of the people on roller skates? <laughs> <laughs> oh. The poor kid would definitely have to wear a helmet, which kind of ruins the whole aesthetic of the thing. You know what I mean? If it's like yeah. a wacky, colourful helmet, I think some of those original people had helmets, like roller derby, roller derby style. Yeah, but it's not roller derby. It's meant to be like, you know, like the, the 60s kind of look and feel with the little <laughs> shit. 
I'm trying to say without it sounding creepy. I know. So you just so for the listeners, ranch did mission accomplished. Ranch ranch, ranch drew a picture of a around his own waist instead of just saying. Who just said it? It didn't didn't go well. There's his professional understanding of uh, of what would be offensive coming through right there. There's going to be a real awkward edit around that point. <laughs> of all the things we've talked about, now you decide it's not okay to say <laughs> <laughs> That's on the no-fly list and all the other things you've said are okay. Uh, who knows? But no, to your point, Boots, you're right. It's not, it's not possible for us to understand what kids are going to like next. If it were possible, mm. we would be trend spotters and we would be far more wealthy than we are uh, today. It's our job to just deal with it when our kids come home one day and say, mom, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm joining a sea shanty posse. <laughs> and we've got to be ready for that. I'd be fine with that. At the moment, Dash will pick up anything that's sharp and dangerous and just do something dangerous with it. So if he came home and he was like, here's a fucking piano accordion and I'm going to be like recording sea shanties and whatnot, that would be fine with me. I'm good. Are we sure they're lyrically safe for young children? Aren't, aren't some of them a bit racy? Oh, there'd be a lot about drinking a lot of rum, getting shit-faced and rooting some local sailor behind the yeah <laughs> have we lost have we lost beep that uh, what, what I, in, in the edit i want you to just beeps <laughs> I, I think the only way i can make that whole segment funny is just to put in a lot of on a lot of random words just to make it funny we haven't done any beeping in a long time we should do that That'd be funny. So yeah, that was anyway. That's the that's the thing that's going on. But uh, how are you guys with uh, TV and film this week? Is there anything that's caught your fancy that you wanted to uh, wanted to go through? It's probably one one thing that I'd like to mention. And Dave, uh, you had mentioned that you had also started watching this. In, in my continuing efforts to, for some reason, to watch French cinema, or in this case, French television. Uh, we got through the entire series or at least part one as they uh, created it of Lupin, the French, to, to, to call, it a, call it a heist drama would be to, to undersell it, but it's a, uh, a, a drama about a, uh, a immigrant in France uh, whose father was wrongfully accused of a, a crime and who had given his son the, a, the book in French, or what I now understand is a famous French book uh, called effectively The Gentleman Thief, uh, which he then imports into his uh, daily life and becomes the uh, a, a master thief. And it, uh, and it it follows from there. And it's it's one of those shows on Netflix that you can either have in the, uh, in the original French with the subtitles or, or, or dubbed in English. Uh, we watched one episode dubbed in English and, just couldn't stop laughing at the dubbing, so we had to go back to the French with the uh, uh, with the subtitles. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the it's, only way. The, the Borgen one is the funniest because they're for some reason dubbed in all Irish, um, and so <laughs> a, a, Dan, a Dan, Danish political thriller where the, the the relevant people are all speaking with a heavy Irish accent is actually in, in its own way hilarious. But the, it um, does it doesn't really. Oh, I'll see you in Copenhagen, or I'll see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really work, does it? No, no, it uh, it, it doesn't have that that Nordic sense of. Uh, no. of gravity um, no, it doesn't 
But no, but, I, I, but, I like the show. I, I uh, have you seen the whole first season? You said yes. I've only seen the first couple, but I uh, I enjoyed. Like, I'm not massively into heist films or heist shows, but I I liked that this one was. It just had a different feel to it because it's a French production, or you know, I guess more accurately, a non-Hollywood production. And I just thought that difference in storytelling was uh, was refreshing. Yeah, and and I think the um, I very much enjoyed. It. I, I did enjoy the, the the highest aspects of it, but also kind of the uh, the bigger story. Just to go on on how they've decided to produce it. So it's based on a on a French book, uh, Lupin. Um, but it is also um, so they made ten episodes and basically just split it into part one which is the first five episodes, which are currently available on Netflix. And then they're going to re- release a, a part two. And just to continue the French theme, and I'm not sure whether I have previously recommended this on the show, but, uh, but call my agent to another French show. That one's available on, I think it's on Netflix. It's either net- Netflix or, or, or SBS. And it's basically a, a, a much smarter version of entourage but focusing on the on the agents uh, in in in, a fr- in sort of French film and television, and it um, you can tell that the show has progressively got more popular in France as sort of bigger name actors do the uh, do the cameos. But that's also uh, I found very uh, entertaining, like a comedy farce sort of a thing. But it's like uh, it's it's a bit better. It's a bit better than that. It, it's it's comedy which has some elements of farce in it, but it's also got a, a drama. Uh, underpinning it but it's sort of it's fast and it's enjoyable and, and quite fast paced and um certainly something that you can consume sort of pretty pretty easily it's not 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 a heavy watch which we you know certainly when you're doing um a non-english speaking movies that's that actually makes it even easier to consume and the um one that uh, really enjoyed and yeah you know, i think there's kind of there's a there's a few seasons of it available and then they're also making the the new season now what extent of the subtitles like long island or something or <laughs> we haven't actually listened to it with the english um we've only in french with the uh with the subtitles which uh get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> uh that would be good maybe maybe it's australia's turn they need to do it with like a west preston dialect on some of these uh some of these voiceovers <laughs> West Preston, yeah. Shout out, shout out, Tim, the, the king of West Preston, I believe. Mm, mm, so. uh, no, yeah, I, I think it's it's a good show. Um, I, I'm not really watching anything else much. I started. I watched the first half of uh, an episode of that show called Bridgerton. I don't know if you guys have heard of that show. But <laughs> a lot of hype in certain circles, not the sort of circles that we would move in. I think it's no. it's very much a female skewed show. That was the feeling I had. Yes, and I was going to say much like normal people um the that was one that susanna consumed in about 14 hours um and luckily not one i was required to you weren't there consume. for that well that's probably for the best it's um, required yeah. it's required <laughs> no it's a classic case of yeah. netflix having a bunch of boxes that they wanted to tick and netflix being superior at understanding how to do that so they're basically it's a formula right of like people mm. like the crown they like the costumes. They like the yeah. setting. They like the idea of, of this sort of special world. But let's do a version of that that's younger, uh, more kind of racially accessible, um, a lot more sex, a lot more naughty, and completely based, um, you know, on on nothing, so that we can just make it whatever. 
So it's, it's kind of like a fantasy idea of what England used to be like. That's nothing like what England used to be like. Um, and it's, it's led by this dude who the, the amount to which they sort of stir this dude up into just being this saucy sort of sex pot guy. I think his name's the Duke or something in character, but the, the extent to which they're trying to just make him sort of smolder. And I believe, I believe uh, that they've been successful based on what people tell me. It's kind of comical, like the extent to which this guy like gets off a horse in the sexiest way possible, and everything he does, he gives the sexiest <laughs> possible look. And um, I, I, I believe it, it's it's effective, but to me, I, I just kind of find it funny that they're just leaning into it so much. But I don't think it would be a series that you could watch right. all of. Um, would be my my advice on Bridgerton. Mm. But anyway, that was that. Ranch, what 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 are, what are you interested in at the moment? Anything? Well, you- actually, a, a, a really great segue from that. Um, is a show that is also a costume drama that is kind of set in, I don't know, the 1500s or something like that, uh, that came out in, I think, May last year. And I heard a lot about it, but didn't watch it, but I did did hear it was really good. It's this show called The Great. Have you guys heard of that or watched that? No. I've heard about it and saw seen a seen a short for it, but I have not uh, watched it. Mm, mm. So yeah, but if you're aware of it, it's probably been uh, clear to you that it's apparently very good, right? Um, mm. It is uh, extremely, extremely good. It's a show actually written by uh, an Australian guy, in fact, a Victorian guy who went to Assumption College called Tony McNamara, who uh, won um, Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards a couple of years ago for writing a film called The Favourite, which was wonderful. Um, and this is a show uh, about Catherine the Great, um, who was the leader of Russia for you know, 30 odd years or something like that. And it's effectively, you know, kind of the retelling of her story, but told as a period piece, but using super like modern language and stuff. Um, so it's it's not like your normal kind of costume drama sort of thing. It's got, you know, all the beautiful kind of facade and, and, and beautiful scenery and production values to put you kind of in that world. But, you know, the story's told using like super like modern language and stuff. And it's incredibly crude. It's incredibly kind of violent and sexual and stuff like that too. But it is a fascinating watch. It's got Elle Fanning um, playing Catherine. It's got Nicholas Holt playing uh, uh, Peter the Third, um, And it is bloody fantastic I, I i really can't speak highly enough of it. it's called the great um it's done one season there's going to be a second one um and it could actually tell her her kind of whole kind of life story in a way but in this kind of super stylized way it's kind of it's very very difficult to, to explain but it's a it's a strong recommend um boots i think you especially will will get a great deal from it um and Dave, I think you probably will too. Um, Steve, I know, has watched it. Sadly, can't be used fixing the car. Um, but yeah, he um, he was a massive fan as well. It, it's 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 really good. It's called The Great. Check it out. Where do you find it? Uh, it's on Stan here in Australia. Um, it was on Hulu in the states. Cool. All right, I'll go. I'll go check it down. I will give it a try. Well, the thing we're waiting for is season five of Nailed It, the cake baking competition show, because we've seen every episode. Although. The great thing is there was one episode, I thought I'd seen every episode with my daughter who was obsessed with Nailed It, but there was one that we just had missed somehow. So it was like, it was like a, a present almost. There was like a, we thought bonus. we'd seen all of them. There was a bonus. Um, brilliant show to watch with your kids. Absolutely the best. Uh, mm. And I really hope yeah. they make more more seasons of it. I haven't checked that out with the kids because we, we try not to kind of watch too much TV with them. And look, I mean, you know, Dash is four and Pip is two. So they're probably still a little bit young for, for something like that. But um, I'd, I'd heard for a long time that, that Bluey is just a really good show to, you know, to, yeah, to watch. Some kids like, but, but there's a lot there for adults too. We watched probably four episodes of it the other day. And yeah, like I totally agree with that kind of position that 
It's great for the kids, but there's so much there for adults. It's incredibly watchable. It's got lovely messages. It's really well told. It's bloody, it's actually really funny. Like it's a it's a really great show. I, I presume you you guys have probably gobbled that up, Dave. I, I would imagine, given that it's, yeah. it's, it's a little bite of Australia too. I've watched every episode multiple times because yeah. Lily Rose loves it. Yeah, it's yeah, a great it's show. Re- it's real good. And it's it's also nice to showcase some Australian things, but without mm-hmm. it just being a, a, like a you know, sort of procession of cliches because it really isn't. So it it sort of feels Australian, but not in a cliche hacky sort of way. I I believe it's been picked up by the BBC because it's, it's, it's over here now. It's, um, it's on Disney plus in this market, but I think the BBC own rights to it. So it's, it's a, I mean, it's a huge success story for Queensland, uh, Queensland screen or whoever, whoever made it Mm. and whoever funded it because great, great show. It's a hard, hard recommend. I I, majority of people would already know about Bluey would have seen it, but if you haven't yet, but for sure. So in the interest of time, we, we should talk about sport, but we maybe should choose one. Should we do NFL, please? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do NFL. N- NBA will still be going when we do uh, yep. the next one. Let's, let's hear the state of uh, state of the union on the NFL. So, look, the um, I, I think when, when the season started, I think kind of our position on, on here was, look, it'll be like they're, they're not doing a bubble. Um, it'll be a, a fascinating dumpster fire one way or another. Um uh, and 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 we'll kind of see what happens. The I mean the, the good news is, is that they've they've played the entire regular season. I, I want to say without interruption, but I can't quite say that. I mean they they got all the games scheduled in the time frame that they wanted to, um, but kind of as we had predicted, boots um, the the major strategy was just to was just to USA and NFL their way through this thing and just charge through it, kind of with with little regard for 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 the effects and and kind of. It's an amazing feat, frankly, that they got the season done and got all the games played. But there were a few moments along the way that it's probably worthwhile kind of, you know, discussing. Um, <laughs> like the, the pandemic absolutely wreaked havoc on the season. Um, literally every day it felt like there was at least one team or multiple teams that had, you know, new COVID cases in their playing group um, every single day. Um, there was a number of games that got postponed and delayed but still kind of played within like that week's games, but it might be, you know, pushed out by a few days. So in general, that was kind of okay. Like there is some, some disruptions for some teams, I, I, I guess, but that's, that's pretty manageable. But, you know, there was a couple of devastatingly embarrassing moments, like one being um, the week that the entire group of quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos um, either had COVID or were close contacts with COVID. So none of them were allowed to play and the game still went ahead. So they got a guy from the practice squad who played high school football and like maybe threw a pass in college or something. Yeah. Two, two years of experience as a college quarterback and, and but was a wide receiver in his senior year. Yeah. And, and played him in an NFL game. How'd it go? Not well. <laughs> Predictably. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, within, I think his, was his first pass an interception? I, I, I think it was. Like, no, you know, he, like, no he, he completed his first pass, but then was over nine with two interceptions after that. That's right. That's pass. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, look, you know, look, given, given what was put on him, he, I don't know, he probably did okay, I guess, but just, you know, like a, a dreadfully uncompetitive game. But I still think the most farcical situation was um, the Pittsburgh Baltimore game, which, you know, is probably one of the biggest games of the year. The two, like two really, really massive rivals that I think you know the entire league likes to watch. Um, both pretty good teams. It was delayed three times, boots maybe four. I think three or four times. Um, uh, yeah, three times pushed back. Yep. Yeah, and it still it got played basically, basically kind of like one week after it was meant to. 
the Ravens had this dreadful outbreak that they couldn't get on top of. It was something like eight or nine days where there were multiple new cases within the team. I think there was like around 20 or more kind of active cases on the team when they actually played the game. Like most of their team were not out there when they played. So they basically kind of ran out there with a, with a, with, with a half strength team. Um, Pittsburgh won just um, but like that, that was, that was kind of embarrassing and, and really just showed that the NFL were not, um, were, were not ever going to delay a game. Like, you know, mm. if, if they weren't going to do it then, like they, they just weren't going to. So that's kind of how they wound up getting through the regular season. But I suppose credit to them, I, I guess, for, for kind of getting it done. Um, so, so where we are now, we're into the playoffs. There's, uh, but it's eight teams left. Is that right? Um, yes. We're right. division round of the playoffs now. Yep. Yep. So eight teams left. Um, and but do you want to maybe talk a little bit about kind of where to from here and, and, and who yeah. you think is going to win? So I think, so as Ranch said, this weekend, which is the, the divisional round, which has got four playoff games with you know, what should be the eight, eight best teams in the NFL is traditionally actually the best weekend of playoff um, football because you, you've got four games and you've got uh, the, the eight best teams, uh, eight best teams left in it. I think we're going to find that the teams that got the bye in this COVID era are really going to have an advantage here. So I think you'll find, um, uh, and Kansas city ended up getting Cleveland, which I think everyone agrees is probably the weakest of the playoff teams that are left. Um, and I think they're going to wipe the floor with Cleveland. Uh, and you have in the, uh, NFC, um, uh, Green Bay are playing uh, a Los Angeles Rams team that sort of, you know, basically backed its way in to the playoffs and will uh, you'll find they're playing with uh, a quarterback who they don't even like, who has a broken thumb. Um, and they were disappointed when his backup couldn't um, prove their fitness to, to the game to replace him. Uh, and they'll be playing in sub-zero temperatures on the frozen tundra of Green Bay. So I think you'll find Green Bay, which is the team in the NFC, which got the bye, will win. So that leaves who's going to be the other the other two teams. So one game is Baltimore versus Buffalo, which I think is probably the best game of the weekend. It's a game certainly that I um, am looking forward to seeing the most. Um, I think Buffalo has been fantastic this year. I've watched one or two of their games. I watched... Um, in full, but but highlights of, of most of them, and they've got a young quarterback and um, sort of good spread of offensive players has made them very exciting to watch. Uh, and then you've got Baltimore, who've got Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP last year. But I think it will be a, a really interesting game from a contrast of styles and two dynamic quarterbacks, which is usually what makes it a good game. And then the game on the other side in the NFC is. Uh, New Orleans and Tampa Bay, which kind of is the is the media favourite game because you've got Drew Brees and Tom Brady and you know two forty year old quarterbacks who have been very good and have name recognition. It's weirdly the game I'm you know like I'm, I'm just I can't get excited about that game. Just neither of those teams really appeal too much to me. I know it's kind of fascinating, but it's kind of boring for some reason to me that one. I, I think that's I, I agree with you, Ranch. I'm actually the, the NFC. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm a San Francisco fan, and normally it's the division, the, the conference I more care about. But it's the, the I think the teams are all um, all have a, a pretty big flaw in them when when compared to the AFC teams. Um, and I think 
the only scenario in which the, the NFC team puts up a game is if Green Bay gets through and Rodgers has a great game. Um, yeah. So I'm actually sort of cheering for that because I want to see a good Super Bowl yeah. Um, yeah, me too. at the moment. So if you had to bet now on which two teams will square off in the Super Bowl, who would you be placing your money on as the most likely matchup? How about we both say it at the same time? In the AFC, it will be the... Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Yes. In the and NFC, we, it will be the Packers. Green Bay Packers. Okay. The Chiefs yeah. against the Packers. And, and which of those two yeah. would win that, that if you. That's as chalk as you can possibly go, by the way, Dave. As Boot said, both of those teams are, are the number one seeds. They've both had mm. um, the bye. They're both playing at home. They're both teams with really strong quarterbacks, and they both as much as you can have a home ground advantage um, at the moment, both of those teams kind of have a home ground advantage. Like, you know, Green Bay is a difficult place to play. It's literally frozen solid. Um, it is a it is a fairly kind of um, straightforward pick. The, but, but I, I agree that the AFC far more interesting. Like the team I would love to see get there from the AFC is actually the Bills. I, I'm with you on that. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're super exciting. Josh Allen, who's the young quarterback you mentioned, um, is is just really interesting and can do a lot of fun things. And was kind of he was taken fairly high in the draft, Dave. But you know he was someone that a lot of kind of draft nicks would look at and go, he's got a big arm, but he's probably not going to kind of translate well from college to, to to the pros. He's not that accurate when he throws the ball and blah blah blah. But this guy seemingly has just worked his fucking ass off and done stuff to improve in areas that is really hard to improve at in, in, in the NFL. So it's so it's hard to not just kind of, you know, cheer for that guy and cheer for this team that, you know, historically have, you know, when they've been competitive, they just weren't able to get over the hump. Like boots back in the Jim Kelly days, how many Super Bowls did they make in a row and lose? Four Super Bowls in a row and lost oh, each one yeah. of them. Even I remember just, that. Yeah, nut kicking stuff. So, like, there's so many reasons why I'd love for the Bills to get there. And, you know, I think that, yeah, Bills and Ravens this week will be great. The winner of that goes on to play the the, the winner of the Chiefs and the Browns, which you would think is the Chiefs. So, in the AFC, you know, everyone is kind of looking forward to the Chiefs playing, hopefully, the Bills. But against the Ravens would also be be, be really interesting because yeah. they, they're, they're, they're a really good team as well. But to me, like, the Bills and the Chiefs facing off um, at Arrowhead would be just... a Bloody fantastic um, AFC Championship game. Um, in the NFC, Packers versus kind of whoever, frankly, like for, from my point of view, like I love Aaron mm. Rodgers. I love the Packers. Um, you know, like them getting through, I think would be good because, um, I mean, a, they're a likable team, likable enough, but they, they they really have the firepower to take it up to someone in, in the AFC as well. Nice. What's the what's the da- timing for Super Bowl this year? February the 5th. Uh, sorry, the the eighth, yeah. which is the, the yeah. um, Feb eight that Monday. Good. Well, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll try to be try to be there watching it for my one one official viewing year of, uh, of of NFL. I I don't mean to make light or to trivialise uh, COVID and the effect that it's having on people and on games, but there's some part of me that that's finding American sport more relatable now that they have games that are called off because there's not enough players. Because as <laughs> As someone who's who's organised a lot of amateur sports teams and social sports teams, I just empathise with that. Well, we've only got five players tonight. I don't know if we could play because the number of times that happened to me was uh, was many. Shout out to Nick and the uh, the money shots we used to play in a the team. Money shot. <laughs> used to play, you might have played for the money shots boots. We played it at Melbourne Sports and Aquatic. I did play for the money shots. I, I remember you dropping a few threes for that team. If I if I remember correctly, we, we played <laughs> not, in like the, the not not many. <laughs> a couple 
We played in a league in like D grade that was D grade business basketball organized by Lindsay Gaze of all people who was still organizing social basketball. We had a night there where it was, it was 43 degrees. And so I'm, I'm ringing around trying to get people. And then it suddenly, uh, it, actually I wasn't ringing around for that team. So I wasn't running, but you just knew, right. That there's a thread and people are dropping out and dropping out and the excuses come and we're down to five people. So we play the first half in 43 mm. degree heat inside Melbourne sports and aquatic, which is probably five or six degrees hotter than it was outside at half time, One of the guys drives home cause he can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says, I'm out. I've had enough. And we're like, what the fuck? You can't do that. We can't play with four. He's like, I don't care. I'm not playing another half in that. So he just packs his bag and walks out and drives home. And so the rest of us play the second half in 43 degree with four of us. And we did oh, not win. Yeah. Anyway, that, there's, so, somehow I'm finding American sport relatable for that that strange and slightly inappropriate reason of, of them struggling yeah, to wow. field, field teams. I'm so thankful that somehow in my life I always avoided being the guy who needed to call up asking if someone wanted to play cricket or basketball or some yeah, shit and, and field a team. Like it's a terrible job and I've I've declined so many of those people in my life, particularly like cricket's a hard one. Like it's one thing to turn up and play basketball on a Wednesday night for an hour or something like that. Like people would consider that, but giving up an entire Saturday to go and play cricket in 36 degree heat on some shitty oval that's probably got dog shit all over it. Like I, I just... That's a that's a dreadful dreadful ask. Yeah, it's a dreadful you basically ask. ask your personal favor half the time, and it's one of those calls yeah. where you both know what's up, but you have to do the call anyway. Like they have to take yeah, the call yeah, out of courtesy. Yeah. You have to do it because you got to try. But yeah, it's not. It, it, you know, the problem with it is, is that you have to do it every week. If it's a one-off, yeah. then it's like no big deal. But basically, in a lot of these teams, it's you know, no one's committed enough that you're always going to have too many players. So you have to do it every week, which is what really yeah. makes it shitty. Mm. Or our our our, our short lived uh, indoor soccer team that was good. Yeah, Banshees FC. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great team. We didn't win anything. We 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 won a Banshees AFL, obviously, out in Altona, but we never won anything at Banshees FC. No, but remember, we did. Like, we seemed to get absolutely pummeled each week, but then somehow we made the finals and we won a we won a final. Did we? I, yeah, we I don't did. recall that. I don't recall that. I, I recall you getting hit in the nuts when you're playing as keeper with with a with a futsal ball. It was like no, a in the brick. face, in the face. <laughs> like yeah, like maybe I was just concussed from from that. But I, yeah, I you got I, hit in the I, nuts I, afterwards. You just don't remember. <laughs> That's when we kicked it backwards into him while he's lying on the ground. <laughs> we had no strategy in that game besides get the ball to Will or John and hope they can do something. I played keeper because I was just not mobile enough to do anything else. And my only move was when I was like, when it was my job to throw the ball back in, like I can't play soccer, but I can throw stuff really hard. I would throw the ball as hard as I could at head height towards the other goal and hope it would skin off one of our players heads into the net. It was the only way we were going to score. And it it worked once we scored a goal. We deserved not to win because none of us were good or capable at, uh, at fut- futsal, which is just indoor football with a really fucking heavy ball, which is why it was more My, comical when people got hit with it. I have two other memories of playing in that team. One, um, the warm-up was always the best because everyone yes. just kicked the balls as hard as they could into all the chairs um, and, and like, the controller thing that set off, like, the like the sound alarm thing, like, like that that noise, <laughs> like, the, um, like, like, the, like the basketball hooter. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. That was one. And the other one was we finished a game one night. We were always playing on Sunday kind of evenings. 
and we went downstairs. We're all kind of hanging out, and someone went and got the footy score, and that was the day that Geelong had put up like 130 against Richmond in the first half of, <laughs> of the game. They wound up winning by 250 points or something like that. And all of us just went from talking to suddenly being in their cars to get home to watch that. that that's, that's the other memory I have. Uh, good time. Social sport, good good stuff. All right, well, there was a good good NFL update from both of you. Please keep us posted on the race to the Super Bowl. That's all we have time for this week for the Dick and Ham Show. Thank you to Ranch. Thank you to Boots. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors, Snake Gun 2, Farmers Union Ice Coffee. It's Ice Coffee from South Australia and the old McCallum. Scotch whiskey for that smooth, smooth taste and that bad, bad behavior. We'll see you next time. Remember to mail us at Show at gmail.com. Sing those sea shanties. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of